Welcome to Striving for Revival with Justin Cooper, Assistant Pastor at North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. This broadcast will challenge and encourage God's people to seek revival. We pray you'll be blessed as you listen to Striving for Revival. Welcome to the Striving for Revival radio broadcast. This is Pastor Justin Cooper coming to you today from the KNVBC studio at the North Valley Baptist Church here in Santa Clara, California. My, what a privilege it is to have you join me for the broadcast today. What an honor is mine to take the King James Bible and to share with you some eternal truth from the very Word of God. I'm excited today as we dive in to Titus chapter number 2. Now, if you've been tuning in lately, you know we've been in the book of Titus, and we did about six broadcasts, maybe five broadcasts in chapter number 1. And this will be our inaugural broadcast here in chapter number 2. And all we're doing is we're going verse by verse through this letter that Paul wrote to this man by the name of Titus who had been placed on purpose in an area called Crete. And for this cause... Paul said in verse number 5, Titus had a purpose to be there. Why? He was to set in order things that were wanting. He was to ordain elders uh, in different areas, and that's why he was there. And by the way, you have a cause, and you have a purpose, and you have a reason. Your life matters. God has a plan for you, just like he did for Titus, and thank God for that truth. So we'll be here in Titus chapter number 1. Now, if you've not already visited Help for Today, I want you to visit the website, Help the Number 4, Help 4, today.org. Helpfortoday.org is a free resource put together just for you. The staff of our church, the faculty of our college have taken time to provide ministry materials, personal devotional uh, material, things that will help you as you endeavor to grow in grace. And all of us want to. Uh, any Christian worth anything wants to grow closer to the Lord, and these things can help assist in that. And I use the articles daily as I read my Bible. I also read the Help for Today articles, sort of like a daily devotional. And I want to encourage you, you can do the same. And uh, check it out, helpfortoday.org. Also, you can subscribe, and that enabled us to send you an email every day. It's free. We'll send you an article right to your email inbox, and uh, you'll enjoy that. All right, let's look here and type. Titus now, Titus chapter number one, or rather, sorry, chapter number two, verse number one. Now, the heading in my Bible says, Directions to Titus for Doctrine and Life. And those two things, by the way, ought to be inseparable. They ought to be uh, complementary. They ought to go hand in hand. Your doctrine ought to affect your life, and your life ought to reflect your doctrine. Let me say it again. Your doctrine ought to affect your life, and your life ought to reflect your doctrine. By that, I mean what you believe ought to determine how you live, and how you live ought to be a good representation of what you believe. Now, we would not be for what is called lifestyle evangelism, and by that I mean you simply, the, the thought is you just live the right kind of life, and people will see that right kind of life and sort of somehow get saved because of that. You don't find that in the Bible. In the Bible, it is confrontational evangelism. You have to tell someone the gospel, tell them that they're lost, show them that from the Scripture, reveal to them they need to be saved, who the Savior is, and go through the plan of salvation. But I do believe that our lifestyle ought to live up to our preaching. I believe that our doctrine ought to be exhibited, ought to be shown forth in our lifestyle. And that's the heading of this chapter. So Paul's going to lay out some practical things, some doctrinal things, and those always mesh together. In verse number one, 
but speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. Now, again, Paul is emphasizing the need for soundness, soundness in the faith, soundness in doctrine. Where do you find your sound doctrine? How do you get sound faith? Holding fast the faithful word in verse number nine uh, of chapter one. You don't get sound faith anywhere other than the Bible. And you don't get sound doctrine anywhere other than the Bible. Sound doctrine produces sound faith, and that's what we need, and that's what he says uh, to Titus. He says, Tim, Titus, I want you to speak things that become sound doctrine. Here it is, verse 2, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith. There's that word again, sound, sound in faith, in charity, in patience. So here is some doctrine, some things to put in the life of these elder men, these aged men, that the aged men be sober. That means level-headed. That means clear thinking. That means discerning. Grave, what's that mean? That means not foolish. That means they need to have some uh, seasoning about them. Temperate, that means disciplined. Sound in faith, that means that they understand their Bible. They know the truth of the Word of God. They are sound in faith. In charity, that's love displayed, love in action, love shown forth. In patience, all right? Now, the aged women, verse 3, the aged women. You say, who's that? I'm not I'm not going to dare go there, but you know who they are. The aged women, likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. So here we have some standards uh, set for the elderly men, the seasoned men, and the seasoned ladies. They are supposed to be temperate, have sound faith, be charitable, be patient. The women, it says here, ought to be holy. They ought not be liars or busybodies or gossips. They ought not be given to wine. They ought not uh, be teaching bad things, but rather teaching good things. All right, Paul told Titus to set things in order. That's what he's doing. He's setting these things in order by his writing. Titus, this is what needs to be set in order. Take what I'm writing to you under inspiration of the Holy Ghost and then teach it to your people. This is what God expects of them. Verse 4, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, obedient to their husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. So here's instruction now. The young women are to be taught by the older women. That's why it's so important that we don't cast off those who are older in our church. They serve a very vital role, a very biblical role, a very important role. It is the job of the elder to teach the younger. And woe unto these churches today that are forsaking and forfeiting and, and doing away, trying to push out that elderly crowd that helped establish and build that church. That happens over and over again with this contemporary movement. But when you do that, you're missing a very vital aspect of healthy local church life, and that is that elderly crowd teaches that younger crowd. Why is it today that maybe so many young couples are failing and so many young Christians seem to be falling? Why is that? I believe it's because they've not had the opportunity to sit at the feet of seasoned Christians. Yes, they hear the preaching, and they might even attend a Sunday school class, but they don't have that interaction within the church body from those elderly men and those elderly ladies because they just aren't there any longer. They traded out biblical worship for some sort of a worldly sound, and the old crowd just got kind of uncomfortable, and they pushed them out. And because of that, they don't have this going on in that church. A healthy church needs folks on every uh, side of the age spectrum and every place in between. All right, here's their job, to teach them to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, obedient to their husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed, so to live a life that honors the word of God. Verse 6 says, young men likewise exhort, to be sober-minded. So these young men are to also have a level head about them. They're to be sober-minded. Verse number 7, In all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works, 
All right, so now Titus is given this command that he's to show himself a pattern of good works. He's to lead by example. The things that he preaches to his people, he ought to possess and practice and show forth in his own life every single day. A pattern of good works. These young men are to be a pattern of good works. The young ladies, a pattern of good works. The elderly men and ladies, a pattern of good works. But all of that precedent is set by Titus, their pastor. He needs to be a pattern of good works, all right? Uh, uh, The Bible says, in doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, and sincerity, all right? So we're talking about a man who's a pattern of good works. He has the right truth. He doesn't corrupt the truth. He holds that truth very seriously. It's very a, a gravitous thing, very grave, and then he's sincere about it. He's honest. He's sincere. He means it. Verse 8, sound speech that cannot be condemned, all right? So his words uh, hold weight, and his words are not flippant words or casual words. They're very weighty words that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. Now, that is the importance of a pure testimony. That is the importance of a testimony without spot nor wrinkle. Why? Because it does not give the enemy occasion to blaspheme your God or blaspheme your doctrine or blaspheme your church or discount your faith. And that's what Paul is saying. Live this way. Teach these things. The elder passes it down to the younger, and we keep this thing going. Why? Because we're trying to set forth a pattern of good works. Not We don't do this good works to justify ourselves in the eyes of God, but these good works will justify our faith in the eyes of the lost world. They don't read their Bible. They read the Christian. They don't hear preaching. They watch your life. And they study, they follow, they see and watch that pattern of works, whether they're good works or works contrary to what you preach. And the reason Paul is emphasizing this is the necessity, the need to not give the gainsayers, he talked about in chapter number one, the critic in chapter number one, any cause or any occasion to slander the work of God. I want to challenge you with my final seconds on this broadcast to live a life that shows forth a pattern of good works. Your doctrine ought to affect your life. And your life ought to reflect your doctrine. Until next time, pray for revival. Thank you for joining us today for Striving for Revival with Justin Cooper, assistant pastor at North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. Listen at this time every weekday as we strive for revival.